I want to welcome you to Lake Point Church. My name is Frank Bennett, lead pastor here, and uh, it's such a joy, and I get so excited every week that I get to uh, share a little portion of God's Word to you, and also how God is speaking to me. Uh, Several months ago, as I was sort of planning out uh, a a sort of a yearly calendar of where I feel like God was leading our church and how God was speaking to me, he wanted me to focus in on evangelism. Now, evangelism is basically a fancy word that, that means we want to tell people about uh, Christ who lives inside us, the difference he has made in our life, and the difference he can make in other people's lives, and what he did on the cross uh, on Calvary for them, and how they could have new life in Christ, and he came to save them from their sins. And so that basically is, uh, in a nutshell, evangelism. And so as we are entering year, t- uh, year two of our church, uh, actually year three of our church, we uh, want to focus in on reaching those who are not here. Now, obviously, there's, uh, there are people, lots of people around us that are not in church right now. Now, it, it could mean that, you know, we have some church people that could be sick. We could have some people, maybe they grew up in church and maybe they accepted Christ as Savior at one point. Maybe they got out of church a little bit. They are called unchurched or de-churched people. They used to go to church and now they don't. Uh, but you also have people who they could care less what happens in this room. They could care less what happens in any church building because they're, they've got their own life in their own way. And, and uh, so we want to reach them. And we want to reach those who are unchurched. And so going into year three, I feel like we need to be focusing on evangelism. And so that's where this word megaphone came to mind. And so a megaphone is something that obviously amplifies your sound. In fact, the first megaphone was used in 1880 at Princeton University at a football game. Somebody figured out, you know, I think I could cheer louder and bigger if I made this some sort of cone-shaped funnel thing, and, and it worked. And so uh, this megaphone is uh, here to represent uh, basically what we as believers are to be able to do with the message of Jesus Christ. And so as we go throughout this series, and this series is going to be a four-week series, and uh, later on in the message towards the end, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do to get us ready for evangelism, to to let that be our focus. But this megaphone, which represents Christ in us and how we can make that little voice inside us that tells all about Jesus bigger, louder, and and go farther, what we're going to do is we're going to realize that there's a problem. And what we're going to do is we're going to figure out how to solve that problem. Here's a problem. The problem is that there's lots of people who don't go to church. Obviously, as I said earlier, there's a lot of people who do not go to church. And um, there's a lot of people uh, who do go to church who are believers who rely upon the church service to change people's lives. They rely upon the church service to change people's lives. In fact, here's a, uh, a percentage. About 75 to 90% of new believers come to Christ through a friend or an acquaintance. 75 to 90% people come to Christ because someone talked to them about that and had those open conversations, those real-to-life conversations. 
And so what that means is that only around 17% of, of people who, who accept Christ and come to the decision and cross that line of faith, they happen in our worship services. That's on average in most churches, 17%. That means that most of that is happening outside. Now, I guarantee you, if you bring people in who are unchurched or dechurched or haven't been to church or whatever, if you bring them here, I guarantee you, we will share the message of God's love, salvation through Jesus Christ. And we will share that guaranteed. But let me tell you something. You have an even greater possibility of life change just by talking to them and having those conversations with them. So 75 to 90%, that is huge. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, Frank, isn't that your job? Isn't it your job as pastor to, to do this? I guess I could go to every door in Emerson, knock on every door, or every door in Bartow County, and, or talk to everybody. I can go to your workplace, and I can talk to everybody there. I can talk to everybody on your street, everybody in your circles, and, and I can say, well, they, it's not their job, and I know you're friends with them, but I'm their pastor, and so I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, and what he's done for me. Well, that's ludicrous. We can, well, I'm not supposed to do that. And so, you, so some people think, some believers think, well, that's the pastor's or the, or the staff's job. No, it's all of our jobs. And so uh, can I tell you something? I, I don't tell people about Jesus because I'm a pastor. I tell people about Jesus because I have Jesus inside of my life. Because I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I tell people about Jesus because of that. Not because I wear some sort of title as pastor. And I'm barely a pastor. I've only been doing this for two years. You know? So, you have a job to do. We all have a job to do. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, this is a very, very popular passage of Scripture. In Matthew 28... Uh, chapter uh, 28, verse 19 and 20. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now notice at the beginning of 19, it doesn't say this. <clears throat> all right. Pastors, you have to go and make disciples. Pastors, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pastors, teach them. No, he doesn't say that. Those are the words of Jesus, and he is telling all of us to tell others about Christ. Now, some people may say, well, I don't really have the gift of evangelism. I don't really have the gift of evangelism, the gift of telling people uh, about something that is exciting in my life. Can I tell you something? You do have it because you have something in your life that, has, that you have gotten excited about, whether it be a football team or any kind of sports team or any kind of new job or new relationship in your life. And so what did you do? You tell people. You tell people. I mean, I've never had a friend, a really good friend, Come to me and say, hey, uh, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. How was your weekend? I was good. I got married. You got what? Yeah, I just got married. Yeah. You didn't invite me? You didn't tell me about it? I mean, no. I mean, that's, that's a planned event. And if I'm really a good friend, I'm, I'm doing something, you know, at, at the wedding. And so, 
You're excited about the, or, or, or a particular game or when, you're, when your team gets 8-0 and 9-0 and all that kind of stuff. You know, one of the things that we're excited about here in Atlanta are the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta could care less about basketball. We're a football town. But I tell you what, people are excited about the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they're, they're on a roll and they are doing some amazing uh, abilities showing that with, the, with their teamwork. And so people get excited about that. Well, you do have the gift of evangelism if you are excited about Jesus. Mm, that could be a good check. That could be a good check, right? In a heart. Because if you're really excited about something, you are going to share that with others. You know, I don't really have the gift of giving. I'm not a natural giving, giving person. All right. Uh, and so uh, I have to kind of work on that a little bit. And even, even with the tithing, okay? And, and I, I don't say this boastfully. I just say this, that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trained myself spiritually. And Susanna and I have both done this, that uh, ever since we've been married, we have given 10%. Every, every time we give, 10% of our income. Why? Because Jesus says to because God says to in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it is something he is saying, we, I want you to do this. It's clear in God's word. And I do it because I want to obey. Mercy. Mercy is not a great gift of mine. It's not. But there are many times in my life that I have to show mercy as a pastor. And I have to like, okay, I've got to wrap my heart around this because this family needs mercy. This couple needs mercy. This student needs mercy. And what can I do to help them? And so I have to really work hard at that. Mercy, and I've taken spiritual gifts tests. Giving and mercy are not gifts of mine. But guess what? Jesus wants me to show mercy. And so I do it out of obedience. So if we aren't telling people about Jesus, if we're not using our megaphone to tell people about Jesus, then what does that mean? It means we're silent. It means we're silent. And today, in this first message, I want to talk to you today about the sin of silence. The sin of silence. Because Jesus, we just saw in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, he told us that was not a suggestion. That, that was a great commission, a great commandment. You've got to do this. And so if we are silent and if we don't do that, then that is disobedient, with disobedience, which is a sin. So the sin of silence is something that we want to focus on uh, for today. So what is um, the sin of silence? Well, number one is... Um, uh, we just don't tell people about Jesus. We don't tell people uh, about what he's done in our life. We have opportunities to tell people, and we just don't uh, follow through with that. There are many times in my life and many situations where I have shown, uh, told people about what Christ has done in my life and the changes made in my life. But let me tell you, there are also several times in my life where I chose not to. Maybe I was either too busy or uh, just, you know, wasn't really connected with them or that sort of deal. And, and I'll tell you what, it's something that God really took my heart and he took me sort of back to the woodshed. You know what I'm saying? And so he, uh, he and I 
had a, had a, I mean, I had a learning moment with, with that and many times in my life. And so uh, evangelism is something you just got to work on. Another, um, another way that you can be uh, silent is this. Some people think that just telling others that you go to church, that you are sharing the message of salvation. Or this, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Now, let me make things clear. Do we want to pray for people? Yeah. Do we want to people tell people we go to church? Yes. But it's not either or, it's both and. We want to go and a little further and tell them about the message of salvation, that Jesus came, the difference he made in our life, what difference he can make in their life. And so whenever we just say things like, I'm praying for you, or I go to church at Lake Point Church or wherever, and if we just leave it there, we might as well just been silent because we don't share the message of salvation. And so I want to encourage all of us throughout this sermon series to go one step further, two steps further into relationships and dig a little bit deeper to where we can have an open door. And you're going to be trained on this. I'm going to share with you a little bit later. But to where you have an open door to share that message of salvation, which is huge. Um, it, it's, it's ludicrous that we can that we can win people to the Lord just by telling them we go to church. People could care less. Many people could care less where we go to church. They could care less. And so um, as you talk with people, go a step further. Now, I'm going to use this an analogy. If you are just saying, I go to church, or hey, I pray for you, or hey, I'm going to my Bible study, and you're not really taking it two, three, four steps further, then what you're doing is you're not allowing people to taste and see the goodness of God, the goodness of what Christ can do in their life. Because there's lots of good things about the goodness as people dive into that relationship with Jesus. They, they taste and they see that the Lord is good. And if we don't, don't go to that next level with people in their relationship to Christ and what he could do in their life, then it's almost like they're just smelling Christianity. They're not taking a, a bite into Christianity. Let me use this as an example. You know, I love popcorn. I, I, I love, if you, like, if you love popcorn, raise your hand. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love popcorn. And you got microwave popcorn. You got all kinds of other popcorn. But, but you also have... Movie popcorn. Now, movie popcorn is the best. I mean, you can buy the microwave movie popcorn. It's not the same. It, it, just something about movie popcorn. I don't know what they put, what kind of drug they're putting into that or something. But every time you go to the movies, you have to get some popcorn. And let me tell you, I am very weak when it comes to going to a movie theater and not having some popcorn. Hey, thanks, buddy. Good stuff. Awesome. So I am very weak-willed when it comes to going to a movie theater without having some popcorn. And whenever you walk in, what's the very first thing that you notice in a movie theater? Or you could, yeah, yeah, 
It's the smell of popcorn. I mean, you, you also notice maybe some, um, some video screens or, or posters of some upcoming movies. You kind of notice that. Maybe you notice a huge candy uh, countertop, you know, and all that candy. Maybe, maybe you notice that when you walk in. Or maybe you notice the workers busy around making all kinds of stuff. But the first thing, as soon as you open the door, it's like, ah, <laughs> popcorn. Okay, this is confession time. I can't remember going to a movie theater and not eating popcorn. That's a problem. I have an addiction. Yeah, I love popcorn. It's almost like, it's almost like the movie, the whole experience, it's just boring without a big thing of popcorn in front of you, and you're just eating popcorn. It just makes the whole experience. Now, let's just say, hypothetically, that you have some workers back there, and you walk into the movie theater, and you smell this awesome popcorn. Butter. I love when you just, yeah. (laughs) And when you walk in, and you smell this, and you go up to the counter, and all the workers are, are making popcorn, and then they're, they have these huge buckets, and they're eating the popcorn. The workers are. Hypothetically. And hypothetically, you say, hey, um, can I have some popcorn? And the workers go, uh, no. This is for us. This is for us. Now that would be mean, wouldn't it? That would be very mean if you walked into a movie theater and you couldn't have your popcorn. I'll buy it. No, no, it's this for us. We'll pop this for us. I mean, all this popcorn. All this popcorn. It's all for us. Okay, go get your movie and go, you know. And you sit down and, and it's not a good experience. And then you almost to the point to where you resent those popcorn makers, those workers, because they won't give you popcorn. You resent them. Okay, so here's the deal. Let's use that analogy with our relationship with Christ. And people in our lives that God has placed and God has sent to us and how they feel. Because let me tell you something. They can sense a change in your life. They know that you're different. It's almost like they smell the aroma of God. The aroma of mercy, of grace in your life. And if you don't share Christ, you're keeping the popcorn all to yourself. And you're not sharing. And almost when, when you say things like, yeah, I go to this church. And you, then you don't invite them or say, I'm picking you up at this time. It's almost like, you want some popcorn? Ah, uh, no, I'm, I'm just going to And even though they know it's good, they need to taste the goodness of God. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, it says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, Can I tell you something? 
people very rarely just sort of stumble into Christianity. Now, you hear stories where there's a Bible, you know, but someone had to place that Bible in a hotel, Gideon's, great ministry. And maybe, you know, they, someone found the Bible and they read it and they became a believer. You hear those stories. But rarely does someone just stumble into Christianity. We have to tell people about Christ and what he's done in our life. And so as we, as we talk with people, they can, and we go a step further and further, they can taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Now, when it comes to sharing Jesus, and this whole sermon series is about sharing Jesus without fear, there are some fears that you have. There are some fears that you have in, um, in when sharing Jesus. And I'm just going to go over just about three of those. You have, first of all, the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. It's kind of like um, back in, when I was in elementary school, I always really got chosen last, maybe second to last, in kickball. Because I had short legs. <laughs> I had, have, have short legs. And, and so I was really a great kicker. Now I can run fast, but I could just never get on base because I could never kick the ball. And so I would always get picked last. And that was really reject, uh, you know, a lot of rejection for me. Some of you, you don't share Christ because you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of them coming to you and saying, you know, negative things about you or, or mocking you. And so let me tell you something. When you share Christ, it is not in any way a, a contest. It is not a contest. It's not um, something that you have to just sort of keep up with. And when they, when they reject you, you have to understand that they are actually rejecting the person who lives inside you. In this scripture right here, First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse eight. This is a great scripture for those of you who, are, who face the fear of rejection. It says this, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. So when, when you feel like someone has, has rejected your, the message, that is, not, that is not your message that is God's message about His Son, Jesus. That is Jesus' message about what He did for you and for all mankind. That is not your message. You don't own that message. You're just the messenger. That's all you are. You're just communicating what the message says. So if people say, and if they reject that message, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ who lives inside you. It takes someone an average of 7.6 times to hear the gospel before they accept it. Let me say that again. It takes a person, on average, about 7.6 times to hear the gospel message before they accept Christ. Some less, some more. And so when you share Christ and they reject you, maybe you're the 1.5 person, you know, that shared that message. Or maybe you could be the, you know, the 7.1, you 
You know, they're, they're, on, the, on, they're on the edge. They're, they're almost there. And so understand this, that as you talk to people, and we, you know, we saw in the video how all of these people, how all these, uh, these are connected, but as multiple people talk to multiple uh, people, then the message of salvation is spread. And you could be the very beginning, or you could be towards the end. Some people, some people plant, and some people reap. Some people share the message, and they, don't, they get rejection. Some people share the message, and they see fruit that can lead them to Christ. But we all work together. And so they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting that message. Uh, second fear is fear of losing friends or family. Fear of losing friends or family. Uh, let me ask you this. What do, you, what do your friends think of you now? now let's, say, let's think about this for a second. If, you're, if you have friends who do not know Christ, they have never accepted him as Lord and Savior, they don't walk with him. They don't have that light inside. If you have friends in that situation, which you should, and if you never go to that next step with them, then you're, you're living the sin of silence and you're not really leading them to heaven. Now, they will notice a difference in your life. You will be an example. But one of the biggest reasons why people don't accept Christ is because they, they don't understand the next step. Why? Why this? Why this? It's hard for them to get those questions answered just by watching your life or knowing that you go to church or knowing that you're praying for them. You've got to go deeper and to help them to understand the whys. Take time with them. But some of you are afraid of losing your friends. Some of you are afraid of, of just getting persecuted and getting teased. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, it says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus talking. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Remember, it's not you, it's him. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if... If that, if Jesus is saying that if you're sharing the message of salvation and you're getting rejected or persecuted or insulted, uh, then that means this. If you're not being insulted, if you're not being rejected, if you're not being persecuted, then are you sharing the message of salvation? Think about, and, 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 hey, and I'm talking as your pastor but let me tell you, as preparing for the sermon, I had to ask myself this question. I've already had a wrestle with this. But let me ask you something. When is the last time you got persecuted, insulted, rejected because of your faith? Not because they just knew you were a believer, <laughs> but because you decided to take that next step. It's a reward to be rejected. It's a reward for being insulted. We almost need to take this mindset that, hey, 
You're going to insult me? Well, that's great because I just got rewarded. I got another jewel in my crown in heaven because Jesus, Jesus wants you to take that next step. And he's telling you, blessed are you because people insult you because of me. That is huge. And so when you get insulted, say, praise the Lord. Excellent. All right. Let's, um, let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 to 38. This is a great passage here. I'm going to share with you. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 38. It says this. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, those are the words of Jesus. So he's saying this. Look, you might have family members that may reject you. You might have family members that may insult you. But... What I'm telling you is is that I want you to understand instead of fearing to lose a family member, you want to make sure that you you do what you can to bring them to heaven, to share the message of salvation. Because if you 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 walk into the fear of losing friends, influence in your life, or certain circles, family members... If you're afraid of that, if you say nothing, then you're going to lose them for an eternity. If you never say anything, you want to bring them with you. I love you so much that I've got to share this with you. Some of you have family members you're afraid to be rejected. Some of you... Some, uh, there, there might be might be some people in this room that maybe you haven't you haven't um, crossed that line of salvation because you're afraid that you might get ridiculed by your family. You might think, well, salvation, accepting Jesus, is just for kids. Only kids do that. I don't want to do that. I'll be looked as some sort of weakling. Well, <laughs> you'll never get there with that kind of heart. Your heart is too hard. Some of you have accepted Christ, but maybe haven't followed that up with baptism, telling people, hey, I was this person, and now this represents that I'm a new, a new creation, and I'm telling you that Jesus Christ has done this for me. Some of you haven't followed that through because you're scared of being rejected by family. Don't let your family get in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Please, and that's basically what he's saying. And the last area is fear. You have the fear of not knowing how. You have the fear of not knowing how. The, um, there, this is probably the biggest one, the biggest reason. I don't share Jesus because I don't know all those scriptures. I don't share Jesus because I don't know what to say. I'm not, I'm not really trained I'm not, I'm not really ready. Some people, have you ever met a, a new believer? And they get excited, especially, especially an adult. And they realize, man, I used to be this, and now I'm this. 
and you look what Christ has done in my life and they tell people, can I tell you something? That new believer who starts telling people about Jesus, they don't know anything except for what Christ has done. And that's all you need to know. All you need to have is your testimony. Don't feel like you've got to be trained to the nth degree on sharing what Christ has done. All it is is your story. It's your story. And so new believers can do that. In fact, the people who have the biggest problem with this, the people who, who use this as an excuse of I don't know how, are usually the people who have been a Christian for 10 or more years. And, and they, they, they've gone to Sunday school, they've been a small group, they've been a church, they've been a Christian for many, many years. And it's almost like that they have like Christian constipation or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to where it's just all built up. You know what I'm saying? And, and Jesus, the message of salvation, it's you're not letting it go. You know what I'm saying? Let it go. No. All I'm saying is this. Some of you, you know more than you think. And all it is, is your story. But you have to be ready. You have to be ready. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for this hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready. Always anticipate. Always know that at, at the moment's notice, you will have that opportunity to share your faith. Not just with strangers, but with friends and family. And here is where Lake Point Church comes in. Your church, here's what we want to do. We want to help give you the training for this. We are going to start a study together as a church called Share Jesus Without Fear. Share Jesus Without Fear. And so over the next few weeks, during the sermon series and maybe kind of beyond, in our small group dugouts, we're going to go through this study. And in this study, you're going to be able to um, ha have the right scripture to, to where you can share Christ. Use your story. Use your testimony. You're, um, in this study, you're going to be able to uh, have some of the questions that people ask, some of those statements that people say when, they, when they're like, I, I don't need Christ. Why do I need this? And you can give all kinds of answers, pre-written answers to pre-thought-out questions that most people have or statements that most people make whenever they're asked to accept Christ as Savior. And so if you are in a small group, you're going to begin working on that. Some people are starting this week. Some people are starting on Sunday. So if you're not in a small group dugout, we call our small groups dugouts. If you're not in a dugout and want to be in this training, you need to let us know that you want to be part of a small group dugout. I'm going to be in the lobby here in just a few moments, and you can tell me. And we'll make sure that you are part of a small group dugout. If some of you can't be a part of a small group dugout, and I understand you have a, a sort of an off kind of work schedule or things are, 
things, your, your schedule is kind of uh, sporadic. If you want to be part of it, uh, this training starting next Sunday at 930, we're going to be in the lobby here at South Central Middle School. And you can be trained in this material. It's just only a few weeks long. And so if you want to be a part of that training here uh, at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, uh, let me know in the lobby and we'll make sure that you have a book and we'll make sure that you are signed up and ready to go. Even the students are being involved in this, um, in this study. I want us as a church to be ready because let me tell you something. As your pastor, if I don't get you ready, I'm not doing my job. Always be ready. Always. And if I don't get you ready, I'm not doing my job. So we're all going to go through this. And then in two weeks, we're going to do something. It's called a 30-day challenge. A 30-day challenge is this. We're going to give you a small little task to do every day for 30 days. And the reason why it starts in two weeks is because it's going to lead up to Easter. And so for an entire month, you and I, all of us, we're going to go do this 30-day challenge to where you, it would encourage you to invite people to Easter, talk to them about uh, what Christ has done in your life. And, and if, if, they, if you lead them to the Lord, which I hope and pray you do, bring them to church or a church or wherever. And they don't have to be this church. Just get a part of the body of Christ. And so that 30-day challenge will start here in two weeks. Now, there are different types of people, different types of Christians. One type of Christian is a Christian who talks about non-believers. Non-believers meaning people who just don't believe in Jesus. You, as Christians, some people just kind of talk about them. And there's a second type that I want you to be. All of us to be. I want you to be a Christian that talks to unbelievers. Talk to unbelievers. Not talk about them. We're, we're not doing any good talking about them. We want to talk to them. We want to build relationships with them. And so as you, um, as you go through this study, you're going to be challenged uh, to do that. But let me tell you, church, I'm, I'm tired of sitting back and letting other people do the job God called me to do. I don't mean pastor. I'm, I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm talking about being a believer. I'm tired of other people stepping up doing a job that I can do, meaning this, if I got people in my life, in my circles, who are unbelievers, and other people are talking to them about, about their relationship with Christ, and I'm not, then I, I'm not doing my job. So I'm telling you right now, I refuse. I refuse to sit back and watch and wait. I refuse to live in silence. I refuse to live like I don't care. I refuse to say another empty prayer. I refuse to sit around and wait for someone else to do what God has called me to do myself. I refuse to watch the weary and lost 
cry out for help. I refuse to turn my back and act like all is well. I refuse. And so if you're with me, you will say that as well. So let's say that together. I refuse. Say it together. I refuse. A little stronger. I refuse. 